Hi there, and welcome to the Vertical Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information about Vertical, please check out our website at verticalministries.net. Hi, uh, my name is Dale. If you're new with us, I just want to warn you that we don't usually start this way, uh, the way that I'm about to start. And so if you brought uh, your Bible or uh, would you turn in your Bibles to Jonah? Uh, the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. Um, I'm going to start by reading from the Jesus Storybook Bible. For those that brought the Jesus Storybook Bible, I'm going to catch you up. If you're new, you'll thank me later. Um, if you didn't bring your copy of Jesus Storybook Bible, it'll be on your screen, um, which might be illegal, but you know, don't tell Sally the way Jones, please. Anyways, um, so if you'll read along with me, we'll just kind of catch up on what we've been learning these last couple weeks. I'll kind of maybe help out the front row, but Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> this is called God's Messenger. Okay, I'm going to pretend like my mom's reading it to us. God had a job for Jonah, but Jonah didn't want it. Go to Nineveh, God said, and tell your worst enemies that I love them. No, Jonah said. Casual. Those are bad people doing bad things. Exactly, said God. They have run far away from me, but I can't stop loving them. I will give them a new start. I will forgive them. No, said Jonah, really creative with his words. No, they don't deserve it. I'll run away, Jonah said to himself, far away, so far that God won't be able to find me. Then I won't have to do what God says. It's a good plan, he said. He probably thought that to himself. He probably didn't say that. Because, as far as he knew, it was a good plan. But, of course, it wasn't a good plan at all. It was a silly plan, because you can run away from God, but he will always come and find you. I don't know if that means you can actually run from that salary. But anyway, <laughs> Jonah went ahead and his not very good went ahead with his not very good plan. One ticket to not Nineveh, classic. Please, <laughs> he said. <laughs> this is way funnier than I remember. <laughs> he said and boarded a boat sailing in the very opposite direction of Nineveh. That's uh, okay. <laughs> I need to quit commentating. All right. Well, it wasn't long before a fierce wind blew, and the boat started to lurch. Don't know what that means. And pitch and roll, and everyone started turning green. Jonah sat. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not videotaping this. Uh, Jonah sat bolt upright in his bed. You see, the very, very thing that went wrong with Jonah's not very good plan was that God sent a big storm out. Sailors couldn't sail their ship properly. We're sinking, they screamed, and they were green too, and started throwing everything overboard, suitcases, food, whatever they could find. By now, Jonah knew that the storm was his fault. Throw me in instead, he shouted to the sailors, and the storm will stop. The sailors weren't sure. It's the only way you can be saved, Jonah cried, or you can be saved. And so one, two, three, they threw him in. That was Jonah one, by the way. We'll keep reading. Splash! He's in the water. <laughs> Did y'all see that? All right, good. No sooner had Jonah hit the water, no sooner had Jonah hit the water than the waves grew calm and the wind died down and the storm stopped. Just then, when Jonah thought it was all over, and he was sure he was going to drown, God sent a big fish to rescue him. Fish swallowed Jonah whole with one big gulp. Jonah must have thought he died. It was so dark in there like a tomb. But then he smelled the rotting food and felt the slimy seaweed and knew he wasn't dead. He was in the belly of a fish. Sitting there in the darkness for three whole days, Jonah had plenty of time to think. Pretty soon he realized his plan was, well, a very silly plan. 
He was sorry for running away. He prayed to God from inside the great fish and asked God to forgive him. And after three days, the fish spat Jonah safely onto a sandy beach. Just then, Jonah heard somebody calling his name. Go to Nineveh, God said. And this time, Jonah said, yes. And he went straight to Nineveh and told everyone of God's wonderful message. Even though you've run far from God, you can't stop loving him, Jonah told them. Run to him so he can forgive you. The people of Nineveh listened to Jonah. They started loving God. They learned to do what God said and stopped running away from him, just like Jonah. Many years later, God was going to send another messenger with the same wonderful message. Like Jonah, he would spend three days in utter darkness. But this messenger would be God's own self. He would be called the Word, because he himself would be God's message. God's message translated into our own language. Everything God wanted to say to the whole world in a person. You can thank Sally. The reason I start with that story tonight is, one, to catch up those of you that are new or haven't been around for a while. Uh, We've been working through the book of Jonah. Also to catch you up on Jonah 3, which we totally skipped, and so you'll just have to give us grace. Anyways, um, and so I tell you that story because so many of us hear the story of Jonah, and we think it's this fable, this children's tale. Uh, It's it's the story that we had read to us when we were kids. And um, tonight, as we look at Jonah 4, what I think we'll see is that this story isn't this distant prophet that we don't have any, that, that isn't relatable to us. Most of us think maybe reluctance is relatable, but for the most part, like, we haven't been swallowed by a fish recently. Am I right? If you have, we'd love to meet with you after, and we'd love to know you. But that's beside the point. Like, most of what's happening seems a little bit wild and just uh, just distant. It's not, it's not for us. It's a nice story for, you know, kids, right? But I think as you turn to Jonah 4, which I invite you to do, that's where we'll actually be tonight. I think we'll see that this is so relatable. There's actually a portion of the story that isn't in uh, the headlines of the Jesus Storybook Bible. And what we're going to see is something very relatable to us that Jonah is actually still reluctant. And he's actually not just reluctant, he's frustrated with the way that God has worked. And so we're going to go ahead and jump in. And tonight, the theme is God is compassionate. That's it. There's a few things that we're going to see about God's compassion and God's faithfulness in spite of Jonah. But the reality is, if you could take anything away tonight, I'd love for you to see God's compassion, God's consistency, His grace, His character. So let's read Jonah 4. We're going to go 1 through 4. We're going to split it in half so, Jonah 4, 1 through 4, verse. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be Jonah is absolutely ticked. As I just said, uh, 
just just for those that have totally missed the children's story that I started with, I'm going to just dumb it down for myself because usually whenever people read big amounts of scripture or silly stories, I get lost. So this is what's happened. God sent Jonah to a group of people. He said no at first. Then he said yes. God saved that group of people. Jonah didn't want them to. So he is furious that God showed mercy to the group of people that he hated in life. He absolutely hated them. As Andy Kentman said last week, it would be like our modern day prophet, a prophet going to ISIS and saving all of those people. When in reality, uh, we have some frustration there. There's been lives taken. There's judgment that we want. There's kind of this tension of God being too merciful. And it's actually very applicable when, when Andy Cantman used ISIS as the example. It's, it's weirdly applicable because Jonah is just a patriotic person. He's an Israelite. He cares for his people. And if he knew God's word, he knew that the people he was going, that God was calling him to save, were the same people one day that were going to come and destroy his people. And so that's why Jonah is literally lit. No lie. In the Hebrew, this dude is hot. That's the word that's used, which I don't know what that means, but he's, he's ticked. Um, and so he makes it clear to the Lord how he feels in this portion of it. We saw that. He's like, Lord, he's praying this prayer. He's like, I knew this is what you were going to do. I knew you were too good. I knew you were gracious. He's having an honest conversation with God. And Jonah so, shows us, in some ways, we don't always have to be on the same page as God. God. God seems to be sovereign over Jonah's doubts, his frustrations, whether it be a worthy frustration or a silly one. We see Jonah's as silly, but the reality is, most of the time, our frustrations are silly. But it's easy looking from the outside in, but, but that's what we see. It's okay to not be on the same page. That's what we're seeing. I love this conversation that Jonah is like... Lord, I knew you were too good. Dang it, kill me. And God just says, do you really have the right to be mad? And then it just ends right there. It's like Jonah, who probably most likely wrote the story because nobody knows all these details. Uh, Jonah just ended it there. Door closed. He's like, I'm so mad at God that he would say this. I'm not going to include anything else for God's people thousands of years later. Okay? And so I, he just surely was bad enough to just not continue on the conversation. And what I love is in the next verse, in verse, what is it, five, Jonah just left. The next verse is Jonah leaving the city. So anyways, there's something I want to focus on in this first portion. Some of you are like, you are everywhere tonight. You're right. But this is where we The first thing I want us to see is that God is compassionate even when our hearts don't align. God is compassionate, even when our hearts don't align with God's heart. What does this mean? What are you talking about? What, what I'm talking about is that God listens to Jonah. In spite of Jonah's frustration, God could have just lightning bolted him, I feel like, and just obliterated him, thrown him back into the, the, the Mediterranean Sea. Like, you could have just thrown him back. But instead, God listens. And so God's compassion, even when Jonah is frustrated and he's really in the wrong, God listens. And what I see here is that we have the freedom to be frustrated. We have the freedom to be frustrated. And we also have the freedom to have honest conversations with God. Because Jonah is off. He's kind of in a funk. He's frustrated and confused that God would save people that Jonah hates. God is better than Jonah 
wants him to be. And even though Jonah is God's man, his heart doesn't align with God's heart. That's what we see. And in spite of Jonah's heart not aligning with God's heart, God is still compassionate. He's still caring. Really what we see, and this might be many of us, is that Jonah is sitting there waiting for judgment when he's really called to be going with mercy. How many of us, how many of that of us resonate with that? Like many of us are sitting around waiting for judgment. And the people and the relationships around us, we're just waiting for God's judgment on people's lives. When we're called to be going towards people, moving towards people with mercy. In spite of Jonah's disconnect, God doesn't destroy it. He's gracious. But he does challenge him. He gives him some truth. And what I want you to see is that God speaks to Jonah. He says, do you really have a right to be mad? And what I want us to see here is that truth gives us perspective to our lives. Truth gives us perspective to our lives. God is speaking, therefore it is true because he's the person of truth, because he's the person of Jesus. And so it's, it, that might be slightly complicated, but in the end, this truth that God speaks is just, it's just giving Jonah perspective. That although his heart does not lie, God's just reminding him, so God loves us even when we're jacked up. And what I love is that we can have an honest conversation even when we are jacked up. Because here's the reality. God is compassionate both to the Ninevites, the crazy people, the people that you don't think could be saved on Baylor's campus. Those crazy people, hopeless. God has saved them through the person of Jonah. He has worked through Jonah to reach the people of Nineveh. He has shown compassion to the Ninevites, but who he has also shown compassion to is Jonah. The guy who reigned. The guy who's still frustrated with God. He's mad at how good God is. There's so many times that we're frustrated with God. What I love here is that we don't have to be fake about our lives. I think at Baylor, we walk around a lot of times, MCC, TSCC, Bible Belt in general. We're always like, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good, you're good. Okay, we're all good. Everything's good. Great. Next class, right? You're like going between classes. That's the conversation that I usually joke about. The reality is, I think a lot of times we're afraid to be frustrated. When people ask me how I'm doing, when I'm frustrated, I usually say I'm great. Just out of cultural norms. And I think what Jonah, what we see is that God cares for us. He's compassionate. He listens to us. It's okay for when people to ask about how our lives are, we say, I'm not doing okay. We don't have to be these fake people all the time. God's compassion frees us from being fake. Quite frankly, Jonah is not beating around any bushes. He's like, Lord, you're good, and it's ticking me off. And I'd say pissing me off, but... Dr. Burleson is with us tonight. I want to honor him in the back. You know that. <laughs> One of my good friends. He even told me that Jonah was being a dumb butt. Anyways. Um, but the reason why it's so meaningful that we can be frustrated when things don't work out the way we want them to. We can be frustrated when God uses somebody else instead of us because we've been sitting here being faithful all this time and God's going to use somebody else. He's going he's gonna to send somebody that, uh, you know, you're, this is the way it was for me in life. I'll just, I'll just tell you. When I was at Baylor uh, and somebody else 
would get an opportunity to like lead in ministry, I'd always be like, man, that's so jacked up. I've been like faithful for longer. I pull out my spiritual resume and be like, I've been in this and I prayed here once and you know, like all this different stuff. And, and all of a sudden we're just jealous. We're frustrated. It's all about this, this social spiritual status thing and, and we don't know, and, but we can't talk about it, right? Like all this is happening and, and what I think it frees us is that God's grace is enough for our frustrations and we have an opportunity. We have God who listens to us. And so we get to be real with God. We get to have honest conversations with Him. Some of us think we can fake out God. Well, God so what do we do? God's compassion, in spite of our hearts not aligning with God's heart, what, what does this mean? It's, Complicated. Here's what I'm saying. We must remind ourselves daily of God's compassion so that our hearts can align with Him. Remind ourselves daily of God's compassion, spending time with Him, prayer, abiding in Him, being honest with Him. Of the things that don't align. Lord, I'm frustrated with you because I'm get that opportunity. I'm frustrated with you. You gave grace to somebody else. I'm frustrated with you because my life seems hopeless. Whatever it is, I'm lonely, I'm this, I'm that. You have an honest conversation with the Lord. He listens. He's compassionate. I'll illustrate God's compassion with this. I once had a seminary professor who uh, always gave grace in his grave. I don't actually uh, think this was very wise. But anyways, uh, I would turn in something late. One time I turned something in late, and he asked why it was late. And I said, I have nothing. I don't want to lie. I'm in seminary, right? And so I'm like, uh, I have no good reason why this is late. I was busy, but that's not a good reason, as you all know, in school. And uh, the professor was like, great. Don't worry about it. I found that very puzzling. So I went ahead and tested that theory of you know whether or not it was always don't worry about it. And so I did it again. You know, I'm like, oh, this is late. Sorry. Why was it late? No reason. This is just email. I scenario in mind. Anyways, um, so I'm having this conversation with this professor, and he's just continually giving me grace. And it actually is so much so that it doesn't make sense. I actually. Don't advise teachers if there was any in here. I don't know if Blair Browning's here tonight, but I wouldn't advise teachers to grade this way. But the reality was, it, this illustrated to me just a consistent grace that was so, so overwhelming. It didn't even make sense. Like, it's not normal. And the same is true in this story. God is compassionate to the heathens. That's what we expect. Or that's, that's not necessarily what we expect. But God is also compassionate to the reluctant believer, the person that he's called. It's almost like God is this professor that's consistently giving grace. God is compassionate both towards uh, the heathens and the frustrated prophets. As I said, his compassion, his care, his love, his mercy is what leads us to repentance. It keeps us from returning to that part of disconnect. Because over time I realized what the professor was trying to teach me was not to take advantage of Grace is enough, but don't take advantage of it. 
have an honest conversation with God. Let's keep reading and learning more about God's compassion in spite of Jonah's ridiculousness. Verse 5, let's keep reading. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under or, yeah, he sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it may be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, or yeah, when the sun rose, God appointed a God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, "It is better for me to die than to live." But God said to Jonah, "Do you well to be angry for the plant? Do you do well to be angry for the plant?" He said, "Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die." And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who did not know their right hand from their left, and also much the cattle? And again, in, in my own fashion, I'm going to retell the story and get frustrated with some of your complaints to my LinkedIn or something. Um, <laughs> Jonah gets out, he's frustrated with God, and he goes out of the city, hoping to see the city destroyed. He's hoping God changes his mind. He's hoping God isn't going to be gracious. He's going to kill him all. That's what he's hoping for. And uh, the Lord, at this point, appoints, uh, earlier he appointed a fish, this time he appoints a plant, which is, you know, different, not probably what you would have expected, side note, probably a pumpkin vine from gourd, so Thanksgiving season, there we go. And so this, this vine, or this, this gourd would have provided, the leaves would have provided him with comfort, and God put it over Jonah to give him comfort. And then God appointed a worm, this time to kill the plant and a heat wave to, to just point out to Jonah the, the priority of Jonah's comfort and himself, his selfishness. God's just saying, I am totally in control. So, and so all this is happening, this heat wave comes, Jonah gets dramatic again, he's like, God, I wish I would die, it's so hot out here. And God says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And that's like British literature. I don't know what that means, so I had to get another translation. This is what a, a NASB says. I love this version. Do you have any good reason to be angry about the plant being gone? That's what God's saying to Jonah. Do you have any good reason? And Jonah's like, yeah, I have every reason to be angry. Angry enough to die, which doesn't, doesn't seem like he actually has a good reason here. And so the Lord, again, is just pointing out the priority of that Jonah cares more about this plant and his comfort than he ever did about the Ninevites. That heart was gone. So what are we going to take from that, though? This is what I got. God is compassionate. Even when our hearts are more concerned with our comfort than our creator. God is compassionate. 
even when our hearts are more concerned with our comfort than our fear. This is mean, great question. Even though we have a tendency to put all of our things, all of our lives, all of our plans, all of our timelines that we've written for ourselves, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, we have a tendency to put them above God. Put them above God. And he is compassionate to point that out, to expose those things in our lives. Because comforts can come and go. And what we see is that God is in control of those comforts that come and go. And so our hearts shouldn't be so concerned with things that come and go. Our hearts should be concerned with God, his compassion, his character. Because God's compassion is evident through Jesus Christ, not our circumstances or our comfort. Write that down. If you miss everything, this is when you pay back attention in the hot concrete box. This is where you look back again. God's compassion is evident through Christ, not our circumstances and not our comfort. Christ died for us. That's how compassionate the Father is towards us. He didn't die to make our circumstances better or give us more comfortable, worldly lives. No, he died to give us life, to give us hope. He died so we could be in right relationship to him and our hearts can be aligned with him and his heart. So it doesn't have to be a disconnect anymore. So we can love others just as he has loved us. So God's compassion is compassionate even when our hearts are more concerned with our circumstances and our comforts. So what do we do? We set our feet on the rock. And so my encouragement would be uh, something that I'm trying to do here in some ways is is show you that every time that we open up God's word, it's going to say something about God's character. Every time we open up God's word, it's going to say something about his character. And so if you want to write this down on have you read your Bible, this is just one tip that you can be looking for. What does this say about God? What does it say about his character? What does it say about who Jesus is? How does it lead to Jesus? And the reason why we must set our feet on the rock and we must know what things, what the Bible is saying about God and his character. And obviously what we're focusing on tonight is God's compassion in spite of Jonah. But the reason why it's so important is because knowing God's character is what changes our character. Knowing God's character, knowing who he is and who we are in him changes who we are each and every day. And so leaving here, my prayer is that the Lord would expose the comforts and the circumstances that we're holding on to. Here's a question you can write down. Maybe ask yourself tomorrow. Tonight might be too soon. I don't know. What is it that if the Lord stripped it from you today would make you question his love for you? Like what is the one thing in your life that if the Lord just took away that comfort, that plan, that security, whatever it is, might be a person, might be a thing. Whatever that thing is that we're putting above God's plan, God's concern, whatever it is, if that thing is what we're putting above God's concerns, it's our comfort that we're putting above God's concerns. 
And so, just to illustrate this, uh, I, I have this I have this phone. This phone, I think, is a perfect illustration of our comfort, because sorry, um, because a lot of times, <laughs> let's just be honest, when we lose these things, you freak out. How many of us freak out when we lose the phone? Yeah, and for me, it's it's just slightly worse. Because I have my wallet on the back of my phone, which is dumb, but that's beside the point. And so we have these comfortable things that have really our entire lives on them. Everyone's trying to text me. You're all are funny. You're not. Anyways, so um, we have these things that are our comfort. They have our plans. It's our calendars. They have all of kind of the, the like, I think our resume is found in our email, wherever we're trying to, like, you know, make the next play in business. I don't know what you're trying to do. That's usually, like, like everything is found in this phone. Our relationships, maybe we find comfort in, in our hope and in, in, in relationships or something like that. <clears throat> Found on the phone, y'all chill. <laughs> there we go. Rookie mistake right there. Anyways, this is our comfort. And, and usually, it's, it's just right above this, which is God's concern. God's plan for us, his love for us. And these things have a tendency to, to just take priority. But what we don't realize is that God is in control of all of the comforts of our lives. God is in control. And those comforts can be blessings. But I'm just telling you, don't make them be the place that you find life. So in summary, you know, one thing, forget everything. God is compassionate. And quite frankly, that wouldn't have been that compelling for me in college. When I was in your shoes, when I was at Vertical, this wouldn't have been that compelling. God is compassionate. Yeah, good thing you opened up the story with the Bible to tell us that God is compassionate, right? But if you told me that we have to quit measuring God's love for us with circumstances and start seeing God's love for us in Christ, that probably would have hit home. I'll say it this way. We must stop saying, God gave me this, therefore he loves me. And start saying, God gave me Christ. The Father gave me Christ. Therefore he loves me. Because we're a performance-based culture. When things don't go the way that we want them to go, we think that God hates us, or God doesn't love us, or, or we don't think, you know, we're just frustrated with God. When you're one and nine in football, you're like, God, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done? You don't love us anymore, right? You, God, you don't love, you don't have favor on Baylor University anymore, right? Like, that's a joke. Y'all are laughing, but the reality is that's the way it actually happens in our life. Because too often our lives are dependent on circumstances and comforts and not on Christ himself. So let me just tell you about my life when I was in college. The relationships that were broken made me frustrated with God. The times that I was let down by the opportunities that I really wanted and I didn't get the opportunity. Frustrated with God. Circumstances. Comforts. All these different things. Whether or not it was... I didn't get it. I, I tried out for the football team when I was in college. I know. Surprise. Frustrated with God when I didn't make the team. When I didn't get the position I wanted in the organization, multiple positions in the organization that I was in, 
totally frustrated. God, I don't understand. Do you love me? Because I wasn't allowed. You didn't give me that opportunity. What have I done wrong? It's all about my circumstances and my comforts. It's not about who Christ is and the life that I have in Him. If I don't get the internship, I'm frustrated with God. It's going to carry over into your adult life. Lord, I don't have this wife. I don't have this husband. Lord, I don't. I make coins. They make bills. I don't know what it is. It's going to translate. It's not going to end here. Some of you are just catching that. Write that down. Think about it. (laughs) And the reason why I get worked up about this, and all of you have been asleep until I just started getting worked up, the reason why I care so much is because life is going to be a roller coaster. If all you're thinking about is your circumstances and your comfort, and you're not realizing that your life is in Christ alone. And so we look at Jonah, he's distant. Fish, worms, random plants, pumpkins, who knows? Like, you're like, this story is ridiculous. Jesus' storybook Bible, no. why I'm reminding us of the simple truth of who God is. His love. If you're here, and you're like, God, I can't love him. Let me just tell you, you love him. Those people are crazy. If you're here, and you're like, man, I, I just want a relationship with us. I don't want to be a God who is compassionate. I just tell you, Why I love focusing on God's character is it just shows us the contrast between who God is and who we are. Just like Jonah, God is compassionate. And Jonah realizes when we look at Jonah like this dude is not compassionate. And that disconnect is why this why the Father sent Jesus on our path. The contrast between his goodness our badness is what leads us to our dependency and our Christ's sake. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that care for us. Care for, enough, care for us enough to send your son down the cross for us. And so Lord, I pray that we would know more of your character. Lord, I pray that we would, we would center our lives on you and you alone and not on circumstances and comforts comforts that ebb and flow, the comforts that you give, Lord. Help us to enjoy the comforts you have given us, but Lord, help us to hold loosely to those things. Help us to hold firmly to the cross. And Lord, I pray that in this time of response, that our hearts would align with our words. 
as we sing, show me who you are, fill me with your heart, lead me in your love to those around me. Lord, may that be the prayer of our lives. Lord, we pray that you would bridge the gap between our hearts. What we want and what you want, may we have more of your character, your compassion, your love, your grace. And may our lives be built on the Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Thank you.